What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Abundant Journey podcast. As always, we are super glad you're with us. I'm your host, Nick James, along with Nick Offenkamp, and we are really excited about a special guest today. We have Galena Burkumpus with us, and she is an entrepreneur at heart, a flower business owner, a grower, a farmer. She is a CrossFitter. And she is a mother, a homeschooling mom, teacher. She has a little bit of everything in there. And so we're excited about her story and diving in. Nick, how are you? Are you excited about this one? I'm good. Yeah, I was going to say it almost be easier to uh, describe what you don't do than it is you know, to, to list out everything that uh, that you do do. Um, but yeah, I'd love to, to turn it over. Um, Galena, you know, let's let's just hear kind of what does a, a day in the life or a day in the week look like for you right now? And that's a lot of things you're juggling. Oh, well, hmm, right now, first of all, it's great to be here. Um, 5.30, I get up, I head to CrossFit. Exercise has always been my me time. I know yeah. not everyone thinks that as relaxing. <laughs> and I'm not sure I define it as relaxing, but it relaxes me um, when mm-hmm. I'm done. So I head to CrossFit, come home, coffee. One of our probably only strict parenting rules is our, par- is our kids aren't allowed to get up before 8. So Love we that. have a breather. That's great. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. it was a life changer for us, for <laughs> yeah. adults. Um, they get breakfast. Um, we move into school. And then throughout the day, I'm answering emails. I'm answering DMs. Um, I manage an Instagram. So posting and responding to comments. And then in the afternoon, I move out and I'm doing farm work. And then interspersed with that, it's um, meals, you know, their normal cleanup making sure the kids aren't killing each other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So on. Important. Yeah. Yep. And that's pretty much just a normal day, like nonstop. Yeah. Now, you're doing that, and that's that's a day in the life. Now, your husband works still, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's working, and so you're managing all of that. You're managing the home life. Um, now, and then we're. I'm curious, as we're transitioning here to fall, things are starting to die. Season is kind of coming to an end. Does that mean you get to slow down with the responsibilities on the farm or what does that look like? No, this is like my busiest time of the year. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I grow a lot of dahlias. Those are very time intensive crop. You have to dig them all up if you're going to sell them. So I'm digging them all up. I'm washing, I'm dividing. That is a huge bulk of hours. I think I um, averaged, it will probably take me about 80 to 90 hours to divide everything. And that doesn't include um, digging them up or washing, which is a whole nother set. So I try and get those all done by Christmas. And then while that's happening, I'm also planting thousands of spring flowers for my spring market. Um, So this is totally one of the reasons I work out is just so I don't get injured because I do it all by myself. So I'm moving loads of dirt every day, every week. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, this is not a slowdown time. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because for our, our listeners, uh, as Nick is talking about farming, when I picture a farm, I'm thinking, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 acres and kind of classic farm, a big red barn. But that's not what your property or farm life is like. Would would you describe what farming looks like for you and and your property? Yeah, so I have half an acre, very urban. Um, I've expanded onto my neighbors. 
I've expanded out to my brother-in-law who lives in Yakult. So, um, but most of it is on that half acre and it's still, I would say my actual growing space is probably a third of an acre, even with those extra areas. So that means very tight paths, no tractor, (laughs) everything is by hand, um, you know, sometimes it's literally crawling down a path to try and label stuff because I 100% opt for more product than convenience. Yeah. Because I'm like, eh, if I don't have a path, then I can get like an extra $2,000 out of that row. So yeah. I'm going for that. Yeah. Um, and I maximize every square inch. People, you can, I mean, this isn't true for animal farming. Animal farming, you have to have land sure. on some level. Um, flower farming, even vegetable farming, if you're smart about how you grow and flipping crops and everything, you can squeeze a ridiculous amount into yeah. a small space. Hmm. That's very cool. And so when you bought your, uh, home and property, was that the vision from the get go that you were going to, nope. <laughs> okay. it wasn't. <laughs> so can we get into the backstory of just, all right, how, how did you go from, uh, not farming at all, moving into your home to all of a sudden, you know, turning it into to what it is, where it's um, been a very profitable business for you. And also, I mean, we'll get into, I'm sure, the social media following, but that's also really taken off for you in, in huge ways. I, I think I looked, your most recent follower count is... It's like 257, I think. Yeah, 257,000 for the the listeners, not not 257 total, Uh, 257,000, which is uh, not an easy thing to grow. Uh, I'm not sure actually what's more difficult, uh, growing the flowers or growing the social media following, but we can get into that. Um, But maybe let's get into the backstory of just, okay, you moved in to uh, a residential neighborhood home in Vancouver and... Yeah, so we actually... Ironically, we both grew up locally. We both grew up on, I was on two and a half acres and he was on five and we got married and we're like, heck no, we do not want that much property to maintain. And now I'm like, I want more. (laughs) So we were like, you know what? Half an acre to an acre, like that sounds good. Yeah. So we found this house. um, But prior to that in 2017, um, my husband has always worked remotely and we had rented, so we stuck all our stuff in a storage unit, and we went to England for three months, cool. um, which was honestly a life-changing like experience in a lot of different ways. But one of the things the English do is, at least in our part of America, you don't really see a lot of landscaping. People more go for like, you know, your low maintenance plants and you know, mm-hmm. least work as possible. In England, everybody. Unless you you know you have a manor or something, everybody has small properties, hmm. but they pack those mm-hmm. full of flowers. Like there's just gardens everywhere, and I kind of fell in love with that. And I was like, well, I can't move here because that's not going to really work <laughs> out right now. So I'm going to go home and and do that. So that was my initial goal was just garden for myself. Yeah, and then during that time period. Um, of just gardening for me. Um, I was pregnant. I had my fourth baby Um, and um, some chronic depression that I'd had since I was 13 just got super horrible. Mm -hmm. So gardening also became kind of an escape and Mm -hmm. a way to um, just, yeah, just escape that mental um, 
horribleness. Um, and then we hit, and then I was like, oh, I really love this. And I found, uh, I found Florette, who is a very well-known flower farmer up near Bellingham. Yeah. And I started reading her books and I was like, oh, I want to grow on a bigger scale. So in late 2019, I started an insane amount of seeds in my kitchen and that was like the first time I did cut flowers, but I was still primarily doing it for myself. Sure. I was like, oh, I'll sell bouquets to friends and stuff. And then mid 2020, I was like, nope, like I really love this. I want to make it a business. Um, and that was when I started to just sit down and write out goals of like, what, you know, what do I want to achieve? I'm very big into writing out your goals and having an achievable plan for hitting them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest mistakes people make is they don't do that. Totally. And so they're kind of just going off in little directions. So moving into 2021, um, I just started marketing myself on Instagram. I kind of just, um, I just went for it Yeah. and then it's grown from there. So 2021 is the year I consider my first business year. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of 2021 was when I created my first educa- educational course. And then I've added on to those through the last couple years. I love I love that. And I love that the story goes from, you know, being inspired by a, a trip. And then from there, you went from inspiration to this is just going to become a hobby and an, a, an outlet that in probably some ways feels like it saved you and it was a, a release and then from there, it's converted to, hey, I can do this and mm-hmm. it, I can grow this. Curious, let's go back a little bit further. For you, is inspir- is uh, entrepreneurship in your family? Is it something that you, you know, because clearly there was like this, this I'm going to go from, I just enjoy this to I'm going to figure this out. I mean, was that instilled in you in family or were there other people in, in your community that, you know, you were able to witness do things similar to that? Or what did life look like growing up? Yeah, I would say no. My dad worked a very normal nine to five job. Um, He would, we would have been considered middle class, but there were nine kids. And even middle class with nine kids, you know, things are, it's not like, well, for an example, I never had new clothes growing up and I was Mm -hmm. totally fine with that. I'm not dissing that, but you know, it was (laughs) like thrift stores, you bake from scratch, you don't go out to Mm -hmm. eat, you know, it wasn't like living high on the hog. Yeah. But, um, no, actually I grew up, I would actually define my growing up more as a very high controlled Hmm. environment. There wasn't a lot of freedom to try things and fail. Um, there was a huge emphasis on academic excellence. Um, I was homeschooled, but I had a very rigorous workload. Um, I distinctly remember one year, I think I was 16 and my school load was so high that in order to actually get all my assignments done, I had to get up at four 30 and except for like breaks for meals and helping around the house, I worked, I had to work until nine, Wow. which that's not sustainable. I sustained yeah. that for about six months, which I think was actually remarkable. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then sure. I was like, nope, that's not going to work. And, you know, subjects just got dropped. But um, so it was, 
I would say there wasn't actually a lot of space given for creative freedom or trying stuff out. As a person, though, I always wanted something more. um, I'm not. Well, yeah, this sounds a little braggy. I'm not a stupid person. Um, And so I always felt like I wanted my intelligence to be that it was being squished Hmm. a little bit and that there was more than I could do than I was Hmm. allowed to do. Yeah. So I was always looking for something and trying to push the boundaries um, and try and find that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having that unrealized potential that you know is within yourself. And, yeah. and it's interesting, like the spirit of entrepreneurship, right, is the, the freedom to try something and fail. Like I've heard right. a lot of entrepreneurs talk about how that's really what the journey of entrepreneurship is, is, is just trying something that didn't work. Uh, but maybe if I modify this and try this and, you know, just you keep, uh, well, and, and there, another way of putting it, I guess, is you keep ramming your head into the wall until the <laughs> wall breaks, you know? And, um, and so, you know, that is interesting that, that you kind of had, um, it sounds like that desire all along and growing up of just that it's like, okay, I want to take the intelligence that I have, but I want to try it out in different ways and, and really build yeah. something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So is that something that um, after kind of growing up, moving out of home, like, did you know that you wanted to get into some sort of like career where you would be able to to flex those muscles? Like what was the, the dream or the vision? Or was it kind of like uh, those seeds of entrepreneurship or desire to do that were planted deeply within you and then they just sort of came up a handful of years later as well, you got the property? Honestly, I would say that by the time I, so I got married at 20, which is pretty young. I didn't yeah. go to college. Um, but by the time I got married, I would say without getting into a lot of detail that, um, I had been pretty squashed <laughs> as a person and it took me a solid five years to just try and recover and yeah. become who I felt like I was when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons why that trip was so life-changing. It wasn't actually, you know, everybody's like, well, it's life-changing, it's Europe. It's like, it wasn't actually being in Europe. It was like, that was the first time in my life that I'd ever been away from where the area I grew up. Hmm. And it actually gave me time to reflect and think and like what exactly it is that I want to do. And um, it actually made me feel like I was a kid again mm-hmm. and not so just weighed down by other people's issues. Um, so it was, I would say it was like a long process, but no, like I got married. We knew we wanted kids. I was spending time having kids. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had four and six years and that's pretty much what I was doing. Yep. So yeah. And then it just, that England trip just woke up a lot inside of me. And I always, I have a huge, internal drive to succeed mm-hmm. and prove myself. And there's probably some unhealthy aspects in there, but sure. you know, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, so it's not an option to me to not succeed if, um, you know, I'll, I'll pivot, I'll change yep. the direction I'm going. But if I set a goal, I'm going to find a way to reach it. Yeah. What, no matter what I have to do within 
reasonableness. I'm not about to do anything illegal or immoral. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> good to have yeah. the, the, the boundary, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that also is a, a very common theme among those that we talk with on this podcast. Is there is that um, uh, an unusual or a um, uh, more than average desire to to succeed and to to prove oneself? Like I think most entrepreneurs do have kind of a chip on their shoulder. Um, some aren't as pleasant about it, <laughs> but whether it's, uh, you know, they, they're really obvious about it or not. Um, I think I have a little chip on my shoulder. I grew up in a community that um, did not encourage women to do anything other than get married and have babies. And mm-hmm. I 100%, 100% support women who yeah. want to be stay-at-home moms and have kids and focus on those like that is a whole job in and of itself. But I don't think that anybody should be put in a box and be like, that's all you can do. Right. So, um, yeah, I definitely push against that. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that. And you know, it's interesting to think about those experiences in that, how for you, the reality was it kept you down and it kept you from contributing so much to the world. And, you know, my wife, similarly, I know you guys get along and, you know, she's got a passion for the flower farming as well, not to the scale that you do. And, uh, I don't think I have the capabilities (laughs) to be the assistant that maybe your husband does, but, you know, I, I just think through that and, you know, I've experienced, even as I've watched her and the, the joys that comes with, you know, selling flowers or giving flowers to people who are hurting or people who, you know, have lost loved ones, you know, there's such a unique connection, I think, that flowers can bring to people and joy or memories. You know, we've we've got neighbors who are older and it brings them back to their childhood. And mm-hmm. so I think just in, in thinking through your story, you know, what an awesome gift that you have and you're able to share it. And, and it's a creative itch that you get to explore and, you know, it's you've run full speed at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a driving force is, um, I was so miserable for so much of my life that I want to help other people find healing and, um, not that I think gardening is the only way to do that. Fully support therapy, do it guys, (laughs) but it's a good way. Like there is something about being out in nature that can heal you on levels that other things can't. Yeah. Yeah. so as let's talk through, you said 2021 was kind of the beginning for you mm-hmm. in terms of the business, but you went, you went from, Hey, I enjoy this. This is healing for me to, I think I can make something of this. What were some early things you had to learn? And we can take this two ways, like either mistakes made or, you know, share some early habits or things that you had to learn because this wasn't taught to you. This wasn't mm-hmm. instilled in you. This was, you were a pioneer in this. And so what were some early maybe challenges in those couple years as you were growing this thing? I think probably the biggest one is I had to come to terms with forcing myself to do things I was not comfortable with. And, um, that's still something that I do, but I'm more fine with it now. Like I still for. And to the point where I almost crave it now, because I know that if I force myself to do the things that I'm not comfortable doing and are out of my comfort zone, then it pays off in the end. So for example, marketing, not my favorite thing to do. 
Not sure. something that I'm naturally good at, but you can't sell flowers if you don't learn how to market. So, and I still wouldn't say that I'm amazing at that, but I can, you know, send out the email to the email list and mm-hmm. post about it on Instagram and do things like that. Um, I've never been afraid of working hard. Um, we didn't grow up in a family where, like, you have a lot of kids. You, there's no space to slack off. Like, you're working, sorry. Yep. <laughs> so <laughs> that was never an issue for me. I definitely feel like I have a leg up on that regard because um, being covered in dirt, um, I still have dirt under my fingernails. It does not bother me one bit. Um, but honestly, just being willing to acknowledge that something's not working yeah. and figure out what can Mm -hmm. and change it so i would say that initially the thing that was hardest for me that was marketing Hmm. myself because i didn't have a lot of um i had like imposter syndrome big time like that like i'm not i don't know anything why are people Mm -hmm. paying me for these and so i just had to force myself to be like nope this is how much i'm working the quality of what I'm selling is high and this is what I'm going to charge whether I feel like that's you know what I I'm worth or not yeah so how has and I'm shifting a little bit here I think a lot of times we have conversations with folks that they're afraid to fail and that fear of failure keeps people on the sideline we just had another episode with somebody recently and they said you know, being risk averse is what keeps people from ever, ever pursuing their dreams and goals. For you, you talked about how you felt really stifled and that failure, like you couldn't fail. Like that wasn't any type of an option like that. It was, it was almost like, Hey, you were going to be looked down on, or, you know, there would be consequences for failure. How, how has that impacted you with, I mean, in the marketing, like you're saying, hey, you're going to try, you're going to fail, you have to do new things, you have to pivot, you have to explore options. Like that seems like, you know, almost like they're opposite, whereas that that could have been something that kept you back, but yet it's been the very thing that's dr- driven you forward. Yeah, so early on, I almost forgot about this, but this was definitely a driving force like in that first year. A friend reached out to me. And was like, hey, I'm doing, um, you know, this photo shoot to like market stuff and our flower person backed out. Like, would you fill in? And I was like, sure. Like as a favor. Like I wasn't going to use it to market my stuff. I was just like, yeah, sure. Um, And I went there and it was a hundred degree day. And I had been growing flowers for probably like five months. Um, Did not know all the tricks. But even on a hundred degree day, any florist will tell you like that is like death (laughs) for flowers. Sure. Um, the cake, the baker who was doing that event, who was doing it to market her stuff, went on Facebook the next day and just reamed me up and down and Mm. said like my flowers were the worst possible. They were dead, blah, 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 Mm. all this stuff. And it was kind of at that moment where I was like, you know what? There's always going to be someone who doesn't like me Mm. and I'm not going to let that change what I do. And Mm. so that is something that I've kept in mind. It's like, I... I'm not going to make everyone happy. My product is not for everyone. They're not all my customers. That's not my focus. My focus is on the people who actually appreciate this product and the work that goes into local flowers, which are going to be more expensive than something that's imported because imported 
flowers are grown by people who are paid pennies. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, what is my focus? Focus on that. Ignore Hmm. the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I definitely have to remind myself about every seven months. Because there's always a new shiny object. There's always someone in like the creator world who is doing something better than you are. Like there's always a bigger fish. Hmm. And when I've started feeling myself pulled into, you know, being envious or something, that's when I find that what I'm doing is not as effective. So I'm just really focused on being focused on my goal, Hmm. which is to primarily help people grow beautiful gardens where they live yeah and that's like what my instagram is about so yeah and speaking of goals i mean earlier you talked about um being a big time goal setter and really believing in the power of setting specific goals um would love to hear more on what that looks like for you what that looked like in that 2020 2021 period as you first started building the business and perhaps even how that's evolved over the last couple of years mm-hmm. so my initial goal in 2021 was just to make what i'd spent um if you're i mean you know your wife grows it can be an expensive hobby oh for sure um so Don't i know it <laughs> yeah. so i was like you know what i have to figure out a way to make what i spent so 2021 i did and by the end of the year i was actually profitable by a hundred dollars so but nice. it was still profitable <laughs> hey you hit the goal <laughs> right yeah. you're over over Canada, that's right you know, yeah um and so with each one, it's like 2022. Um, I think my goal for 2022 was I go off by like, okay, I did this. I worked this hard. Like what's in a reasonable amount that I think that I could grow. And I'm always, I honestly think too conservative hmm. in my estimate. So I think 2021, I think it was like 25,000. In 2022, I think I set my goal at 60 but I hit 97 wow um and then this year um my goal was like the low six figures but I'm more in the high six not sorry not high six figures it's like 900 (laughs) (laughs) I wish yeah well mid 100k yeah like that range um as a like just a personal goal to myself, I actually think it's possible to um, churn out like three hundred to four hundred thousand on a small property, and that's just like a personal like. Which is incredible. I want to see if I can do that. Like yeah. no other reason than just like I think someone could, so I want to try. Yeah. Um. But then you know some of that is just educational courses, so I'm not sure if that quite counts as farming. Sure. But I still think that you can churn out a lot on a small property. Yeah. So I just, I really go off of like, what did I make this year? How hard did I work? How much do I need to expand Mm -hmm. to um, hit a new percentage um, goal? I think like this year over last year, I'm at about 160% gross. That's not profit. But my infrastructure investments have pretty much stopped because... The next one is more land. Sure. Um, I can't put any more infrastructure on my current property. 
So that's what the next investment will be. Well, and I'm curious, you know, kind of forward thinking here as you're starting to set goals. Clearly, you got a lot of following. We're going to talk about kind of some social media tips and tricks and stuff. I'd, I'd love to hear that. But forward thinking, you know, you're 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 a one person shop basically, yep. and. <clears throat> You know, a lot of folks we hear and talk to, you know, scaling in order to scale is systems, people, Mm -hmm. employees. Is that on the horizon or is this more of, is your focus going to shift? I mean, where's kind of the journey going to take you moving forward? And I don't think I've thought like that far ahead because to me, like employee, like a lot of employees would be like, I don't know, five years down the road. I don't feel like I've met my full capacity of what I can do yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is crazy <laughs> um, I wish I had that kind yes. of capacity <laughs> um, we, we got work to do Nick yeah no doubt <laughs> but that's why we're on this side of the microphone that's right <laughs> um, yes like if my kids were in school like I wouldn't even think of an employee for like another three years but Hmm. because I homeschool them like that is that takes work it takes more work as they get older um so I am thinking about trying to find someone to train um the problem is is I'm just very picky sure because I would just want someone who works like I do yeah which is just essentially nonstop. like I don't like having to explain things or someone just standing around like you know doing stuff it's like when I don't have a lot of luxury of like um, rest time because, you know, managing kids as well. So it's like, if I have an hour to work, I'm working very, very quickly to get as much done as possible. And I'm trying to find someone like that. Yeah. 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 So, well, I'm curious too, as we were kind of sitting down and setting up microphones, um, we were talking about, uh, kids and them making money and allowances. And you'd mentioned that, um, your kids do help you out from time to time. Is that, part of the vision for you to like involve them as they get older and as the business grows um or do you see letting them kind of dictate how much they want to be involved with it i think more the latter and that's primarily driven by my own experience in seeing families i knew growing up who essentially force their kids to work for the family business Mm. but they were not paid for it their education suffered as a result of it Mm -hmm. um and then as they became adults they weren't really given the freedom to -hmm. go and do their own thing it was like no like and in my opinion if you have a business that's run on free labor you do not have a sustainable business Mm, so even though they're little um like i have a 10 year old a nine year old a seven year old Um, if they're like, we want to work for you, mom, right now they're big into painting miniatures. So they really do because they want to earn money to buy that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, okay, it's $20 an hour, no complaining. And you got to do what I say. But like $20 an hour is a very good wage for anybody. But to me, it matters that because I'm like, this is not, I'm not about getting free labor. Yeah. Like. To me, that's not what a sustainable business is. Yeah. It's like, so if someone's working for me, I'm going to pay them what's reason, what I would pay, you know, an adult, like an 18-year-old, you know, if they yeah. were. 
Well, and you're breaking stuff. some of the patterns that you were talking about in the past and some of mm-hmm. the things that you've witnessed. And so what an incredible opportunity to be entrepreneurial yourself and break out of that past and history, but also then to start the new patterns in the family, start the new direction. And so, you know, I, I know, and Nick, you, you have this as well. We have kids who are entrepreneurial. They want to earn money. Mm -hmm. They want to learn how the game works and you're giving your kids a platform for that, but it's, it's coming with the freedom of exploring and learning how to work. And, you know, you're instilling good tools and lessons in them one, you work hard, you get paid, but two, you know, it's not free. And, and right. then three, they, they get to be a part of what you're growing, which has got to be exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. And I mean, I definitely think that there will be a period like between 12 and 14 where it's like, we'll pay you, but you're still working, like whether you want to or not, because <laughs> um, I think that you'd probably both agree that in order to learn how to work hard, sometimes you just have to be forced to work yeah. hard. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not about raising kids who grow up and are just lazy. Yeah. So, you know, there's going to be a period of time where it's like, nope, you're working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spending the first half of Saturday out yeah. with uh, mm-hmm. yeah, mom and dad. Yeah. No, that's good. I, I want to circle back. So you talked about your goals and, and broken down a little bit into the finances of just year one, year two, year mm-hmm. three. Um, incredible growth that you've seen year over year. I am curious in your business, like what are the different levers that you see that you're able to kind of pull or adjust as you talk about even having that like kind of reasonable goal of um, stretch goal perhaps, but a three to $400,000 a year in flower farming. What are the kind of things um, that you have control over that help you get to those numbers? Is it increasing your prices? Is it changing up what it is that you're growing? Is it more shifting toward to focus on online courses? Those are the kinds of things that come to mind for me. Yeah. So, um, last year I had to kind of take a step back and, um, evaluate because the amount that I was doing was not working for our family. Mm -hmm. So last year I decided to switch niches, um, and focus in on some. So I know people who just sell bouquets and they make a lot of money just doing that. That's not tenable for me right now, partially because um, in some ways selling like a huge amount of bouquets, you actually do need the land for that. Mm, sure. Like you do. You're limited um, if you have less land. Um, but it's also a huge amount of manual labor. Like yeah. there's no way around it. Even if you're really fast at making bouquets, you're still making bouquets and um I was severely burnt out Hmm. and um I didn't feel like I had any time with my kids and my family like my weekends were just spent making flowers and selling them so last year I was like okay like that's not gonna work so I cut that Mm -hmm. out of my year and my three niches that I just hone in now on are um dahlia tubers um the spring flower market which is a really big market of pretty profitable market and, um, education. Yeah. And I found out that I really liked education through a friend of mine who literally one day, I didn't even know her, but she kind of cold DM would me and she was like, girl, your prices are way too low. You got to raise them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> Thankful for that friend. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and she had worked in marketing for 20 years. Okay. And she's like, you should do webinars. Like, mm, you should yeah. do webinars and then charge for the webinar. And then in the webinar, you know, pitch your main course. And also freaking raise the price on your main course because that's way too low. Yeah. So she kind of coached me through like four months and um, kind of just forced me into doing webinars. And I'll be forever grateful because that has been a huge additional revenue stream yep. and something that I legitimately enjoy doing. I really enjoy teaching. Um, it also helps me reach more of my audience mm -hmm. on a personal level because, you know, the thing with local flowers is you're selling them locally. You're not, yeah. you know, like mm -hmm. that's who your customer base is. So those are the Dahlia tubers and the education are the two ways that right now at my current time in life with my kids in art, the ways that I can grow the most. Um, I wouldn't necessarily raise prices, but um, Dahlia tubers is just like, how many can you grow? Yeah. You know? You know, I think in hearing your story, what's significant to for our audience is that a lot of times we hear over and over, pick your niche, pick your niche, pick your niche, and, and hone in and get laser focused. And it reminds me when I started in banking that there's bankers who make careers out of being the banker with one field. Mm -hmm. And that's essential, I think, to, to, to hone in, to specialize, and to get good. But what we don't hear a lot is sometimes you have to start broad. You mm -hmm. have to kind of learn what you do like and what you're good at and maybe what lanes, because there are so many different lanes you can pursue. And so I, I think I appreciate that you started broad and then through that experience, through that journey, there was this level of, all right, this is not sustainable. I need to now hone in and get focused. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, it's freed up. It sounds like it's freed up capacity. Mm -hmm. It's also given you an opportunity to explore the educational side, which you're passionate about. And it's not maybe something you would have capacity for if you were still this broad brushstroke trying to do everything at once. No, 100%. I wouldn't have. I would just, I was just exhausted frankly, last year, like all the time to the point where I, I stopped my flower season like five weeks early because mm. I just couldn't even bear to look at another flower, which was sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. At the point where you're no longer I, seeing I don't beauty even in the flowers, outside. then yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good sign that yeah. <laughs> overdone it a little bit. Yeah. So I had to just really honestly put pen to paper and analyze. I'm like, okay, like, time like what is taking the most amount of time what is giving the least amount of money um and like figure out the balance yeah. of that that worked for and i think like everybody has to do that it's going to be different for everyone because everyone's yep. in a different situation in life you know your kids might be older um they might be in school you might not have kids like it's just going to vary a lot based off of where people are yeah mm -hmm. yeah so absolutely um I want to shift a little bit here and thinking about relationships, thinking about your network. You've you've mentioned a couple people, and we don't need to go into names, but you, you talked Florette, mentorship there just by watching what she's done and right, learning yeah. from her curriculum. And then you you talked about, you know, a friend who reached out in terms of raising prices. How much I mean you you've built a robust network with following, but how has your network and the relationships you've formed in this in the last couple of years, how much has that impacted you and, and what are some ways it's impacted you and your growth? 
Yeah, um, honestly, it's been probably one of the biggest things I've enjoyed about this journey because I grew up pretty isolated, mm. um, didn't have a lot of, I mean, I definitely had friends, but not a lot, um, not super close ones. Um, and uh, one person I haven't mentioned who's been a mentor to me over the last couple years, um, Camille, has been huge in just um, personal support and helping me to really evaluate what's important. Um, one of the things I've especially appreciated about her is that she's not just all about business. Like she's very much, um, she's a Christian like I am. So, she, you know, she's very much always encouraging me. And it's like, okay, you know, what are, like, what is your end goal? Like, mm. you know, your kid, your, you, I know that your relationship with your kids is important. So how are you making sure that you're not drowning that out? Yeah. Um, one of the things that impacted me the most would be, um, was something that she told me once, which to many people would have been viewed as a criticism. I just was very appreciative that she told me this because I'm a pretty honest person and I appreciate that when people use that. Well, she's like, I see in you things that I've seen in other people where you have a huge drive and a huge desire to succeed. And these people lost their relationship with their kids because they became too laser focused. Mm. And I want you to keep that in mind yeah. as you move forward. Um, and so like, that's something that I just really appreciate. And it's um, caused me to say no to some things that I really wanted to do, but I knew on paper, I'm like, there is literally no way that I can do that thing and still have time for my family, which mm. is you know, more important to me yeah. than a business. It's solid. So. Yeah, it's wonderful to have mentors that, um, as you're sharing that story, I think of like the, the falling rocks, caution signs as you're coming around corners on like a mountain road or something like that. And uh, to have people who could put up those signs in your mm -hmm. life of just, hey, uh, it's not that the road that you're on is bad, a bad one to be on, but if you overdo it, uh, right. you're at risk of, of going off the, the cliff and ending up where you don't want to go. And, uh, so that's really amazing to have, um, those kind of people. And speaking of the, the network too, I mean, you, you mentioned the, the now friend who had just cold DM'd you about, um, pricing. So uh, what a time to be alive in, uh, you know, in the 2020s where, uh, where that's just a, a thing. I mean, I've had a number of folks where I've either been the one reaching out to connect or vice versa. Um, she with... still tells me my prices are too low. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good friend. And, yeah. Uh, that, that's awesome. And she's, Probably right. Probably. Uh, with the, yeah, with the value of, of your content and everything that you've learned. Um, but let's talk about the, the social media side mm -hmm. to your business some. There's sort of two places my mind goes. One, earlier you were talking about marketing and getting out of your comfort zone. I know that for a lot of folks, um, taking that initial step to get on social media um, in a marketing sort of way and putting yourself out there, that can be really uncomfortable. So I'm curious if that's been your experience, but then also just curious, like, um, what, what you make of the, the growth and the following that, that you've had and mm. just how you, you process through some of that. Like, do you I mean, feel like a celebrity or? No, no, I, I hate that actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, I figured you probably would, but. Yeah, I'm not that kind of person yeah. really. I try, honestly, I try not to think about it because it yeah. makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm just, 
a very normal person. Um, getting on it initially, I actually made rules for myself because I'm actually a very private person, mm -hmm. um, lean introverted. And there was just parts of my life that I didn't want people in on. Sure. So, um, starting out on social media, I was like, okay, like how can I make this sustainable? Um, being private, I'm also pretty fiery and stubborn. <laughs> and in high school, I was not at all afraid of a debate, still not. Um, <clears throat> and I knew that side of myself. So I'm like, okay, that definitely takes a lot of energy and time. How am I going to like handle that? So just from the initial get go, I'm like, all right, this is going to be a count just about flowers. I'm not going to talk ever talk about politics. I'm never going to talk about social issues. I'm never going to talk about religion and I'm not going to show my kids because that was just a personal decision my yeah. husband and I made. It's like, I just didn't, that's not, they're, they're not old enough to actually know what that means. Yeah. And those four things have honestly just become more and more important as the account grows because just answering gardening questions, mm -hmm. it takes uh, legitimately like eight to 10 hours of my week just wow. responding to messages and emails that I get. You add in, you know, really controversial topics. <laughs> it's like sure. your whole life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. So um, as far as like growth goes, I never expected it to grow that quickly um it's been mostly organic i don't the only time i've done ads was to market like a local product mm -hmm. and then i make the ad um space really small like within five miles of where i live yeah. um but instagram values consistency uh, almost more than anything so i you know decided on my niche which is gardening helping people grow gardens and I'm very consistent about um, when I post. I mean, I think for two years I posted literally every single day, mm -hmm. which is a little bit of my OCD side. <laughs> <laughs> for two years. Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying that's the healthiest. <laughs> sure. Yeah, but well, but if Instagram values consistency, right. you gave them what they value. Right. right. <laughs> now I'm trying to be like, okay, Galena, it's okay not to post every single day. Um, <laughs> But there is actually a part of me where once I start something, it's really hard for me not to do it. Yeah. Um, like exercise. I'm like, I have to. Like, it's just literally not even an option in my head that I don't. Well, and I want to pause here. A lot of people are opposite of that. They start something. They don't see results. They don't get the outcome they want in a very short amount of time. We, I think as Americans are in this hey, we want it now, we want the results, we want the fame, we want the you know the successful business. And so a lot of times people very quickly quit and derail off of whatever it is. I mean, that's my New Year's resolutions. I loved working at Bowflex in, mm -hmm. uh, in January. So curious, you're opposite. So is it that you love the system? Is it that stubbornness? Like what keeps, what kept you going for, for two years every day? Um... It's just something inside my brain that won't let me not <laughs> like, like legitimately, it's not about everything in my life, but if there's something that I decide to do, like exercise, I have consistently exercised ever since I was 16 years old, six days a week, hmm. even if I'm sick, which is not healthy, don't <laughs> recommend it. My brain will not let me not do it though. Hmm. I'm yeah. sure somebody has a diagnosis for that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't really care. 
because sure. I think that consistency through hard things ends up with a good result. Absolutely. It's like there's been times where, you know, I'm still at the mercy of an algorithm. Yeah. Like, for example, during an election process, they basically like killed the reach of all hashtags. So mm -hmm. it was like the reach was almost non-existent. I still post it every day. Mm -hmm. um, now, like this is actually a part of my life. I'm trying to teach myself moderation. It's like, you know, you're not going to lose all your muscle if you don't work out one day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, we're not post. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, but... Yeah, I don't even honestly know the reason why. I just know that my brain works that way yeah. about certain things. So when you were first starting out, what was it like kind of posting into the void as you had very few followers and uh, growth was, was slow on there? Well, I started out honestly just to document my own gardening journey, so I didn't really care. Yeah. Um, I didn't, it was still in like the year that I was doing hobby growing, Yep. Um, and yeah, like I said, it honestly grew way faster than I thought. There was one point where it kind of really took off. Um, and that was in like late 2021. And I posted a reel on planting bulbs, which you would not believe the opinions people have about <laughs> bulb planting <laughs> i would never think about that <laughs> <laughs> because it's way different as a farmer than if you're just planting them for yourself you like plant them right next to each other you don't keep them which people are horrified about that mm. you would be so wasteful um <laughs> anyway that reel got me 14 million views wow, and that reached that doubled my following in 30 days wow <laughs> um and then from there it's like once you reach a certain point it just kind of keeps going as long as you're getting out like good quality yeah. content. Yeah. So. so you so you started and said I'm not going to do the controversial things, but then you said, "All right, I'll do controversial well, flower things." <laughs> I didn't know it was going to be controversial. I was I did, literally like posted it, went to bed, and I was like, "What the heck?" <laughs> so, as you've grown the Instagram account. Um, what were the goals early on? I mean, you talked about those helpful rules that you set for it, but um, did you look at it as the primary vehicle of marketing? Was it purely at first just, I want to have somewhere to document all this and Instagram is a convenient platform? Um, so what were the goals? And then um, how have you seen uh, Instagram and social media marketing um, benefit your, your business? So it started out as documenting my garden journey. And then once I decided to sell flowers, it was, I'm, I used it primarily as a tool to market to local people. I was not trying to reach, you know, people across the world. 14 million. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But then as the, as those people started coming and they started following me, it's gradually morphed and shifted into an educational platform because, and this is some, I teach a business webinar and this is something I talk about in that. It's like, people don't always think about it, but if you are trying to sell local flowers, a super large following is not at all what you want mm -hmm. because those people are not right. there. It is far better if you are like, I want to be a local flower farmer to have like 3000 local people who follow you than a lot of people who don't. Cause like that's your market. But, um, I really like the educational aspect. Yeah. Um, I like helping people grow. 
So it's morphed into that. I've embraced that. Um, it doesn't help me sell local flowers. I have an email list for that. But it has helped me reach more people um, with online courses. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like I pack a lot of value into those. Mm -hmm. And that's like the feedback I've gotten as well from people who've taken them is that um, it's... Well, again, like my friend is like, I should be charging more. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I try and find the balance of like charging enough, but not charging so much that it's not, you know, it's out of people's price point. Sure. So. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's so funny to me, like the, the kind of two products that you have, you have um, flowers, which by their very nature is a very temporary mm -hmm. product that you know requires a lot of labor is geographically limited mm -hmm. and then you have a digital product that's infinitely scalable yeah um which is something that uh, naval ravikant um in the almanac of naval talks about a lot like the the advantages to having that infinitely scalable mm -hmm. um product um and yeah i it's like, I don't really know what the, the question is in there other than like, it's just really fascinating to me that you, you're balancing both of those uh, worlds. I think it's really smart. Um, it's not really a, a question as much as just a, a compliment that you've found um, these two areas of business and been able to grow them uh, simultaneously um, to have a real local presence as well as the big uh, online mm -hmm. reach. I guess there is the question of just, do you feel those things in competition with one another? Um, um, you know, not really there. And, you know, I sell Dahlia tubers too, which is kind of like selling flowers to people throughout the U S cause I sure, ship cause all of those ship out. Those. Yeah. Um, because to me, they all kind of go, in hand it's like local flowers i'm selling to people locally who you know don't or want to grow them or they do want to grow them but they want to leave them in their landscape you know mm -hmm. um and then if you're not local i'm teaching you how to grow those and i'm giving you all of the mistakes i've learned and teaching you how not yeah. to make those so that you know you don't lose money because that's basically what mistakes cost you or time and money um, and then, you know, Dahlia tubers, I sell to gardeners, I sell to farmers, um, to help, you know, grow their own businesses. And that is still like, that's definitely like, there's going to become a point where the market becomes more saturated with those, but it's still quite a long way away. Mm -hmm. Um, just because Dahlia people are kind of nuts about speaking as one. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love it. Well, maybe my last question that I have um, for you is just with the flower farming and with the, the online courses, do you see these things as uh, a means to some other end that you have for yourself and your family? Like in five years or 10 years, you'd love to be able to, to put the fl flower farming and course creation behind you and be doing something else? Or is it like, no, I really love this and I can see doing this for the rest of my life? I don't know if I'll do it for the rest of my life because it's a manual job. It and is pretty They demanding. all catch yeah. up with you eventually. Um, I definitely see it for at least the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. I will always grow on some level. Um, I'm not fooling myself, though, that, you know, 
like for example, Dahlia tubers, it's a lot of manual labor and I'm young, so it doesn't impact me as much, but I know that it will eventually. So that kind of level of work, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like right now, like my main goal is first of all, I personally just like having, having built a successful business and still building it. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I just appreciate the fact that I can do that. Um, on a family level, it's, you know, I want my kids to have some opportunities that I wasn't able to have. I want to be able to raise my family well. Um, our world is just becoming more expensive to live in, frankly. Yep. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, this is, a lot of it is driven by taking, helping take care of my family. Mm -hmm. um, my husband still works full time too, but, you know, eventually we both actually like to be able to work more part time so that we have more time with our kids as they're teenagers. Because mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's just a really uh, pivotal point in, yeah. in kids' lives. Where it's like you want more time with them, not less. So I, I think that's like an immediate goal is to help reach enough financial security that that's something that we can afford to do. Mm -hmm. um, while still working, but not working quite as much. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, long term, I just have a dream of being able to create um, like what I saw in England just on a larger scale. Like I want property. I want it, you know, I want it to be a garden. Oh, yeah. If I die, I would love Solomon's it. To love it. Love <laughs> it to be like available to the county. Yeah. Like I'd love to be able to create a huge garden in Clark County because you just don't have any. Like they're in Portland, they're in Seattle, they're not any yeah. here. Yeah. So for people, like that's like long term. Cool. Like that's that. what I'd love to do. Well, before we switch here to our, our gold nugget round, <clears throat> and I want to end with those, uh, maybe one other question just directly to our audience. You know, we talked a little bit about, I think there's folks who listen, who maybe are in the nine to five grind. They haven't believed in themselves or been willing to take a jump into entrepreneurship. And it's something you've, you've lived mm -hmm. and, and found incredible success. On top of that, there's folks in the grind of entrepreneurship. What are, and, and, and take this any way you want, but you know, either what are some wisdom or encouragement or maybe just reflection over the last couple of years and say like, you know, what, what would you share maybe to your younger self and younger self being only a couple of years ago, like as you were saying, I'm going to start this journey, what, what encouragement would you give to yourself? Well, I would say keep going, but, um, honestly, I don't really have a lot of regrets. One thing I always do tell people though, because this is something that, I've seen go wrong multiple times and it was something that always was a huge fear of mine. So I just didn't do it is that until you are positive that it will pay off, get into as little debt as possible as you're growing. It's good. Yeah. Because, um, you need to know that that's going to pay off or you're, you're going to add a lot of stress to your life if nothing else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's great, so. especially from a banker's perspective. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen a lot of startups, so no, I, I can resonate oh, with that one. <laughs> yeah, my husband once worked on one, and this man put 
his entire retirement into building the startup website and it all failed. And I mm. was like, uh, yeah. it was his retirement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, uh, no, I think, I think that's good in an age that, you know, we have a lot of people that we talk with and it's, you got to be willing to take risk. You got to be mm-hmm. willing to bet on yourself, but you know, maybe not lottery style betting on yourself. Don't be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Don't, don't put more in that you're not, you're not like, okay, if I lose that, it's fine. Yeah. 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 Bet on yourself with yourself, not your family's future. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? Right. That's good. Yeah. Well, let's, let's uh, transition here to the last few questions. So we ask all of our guests these, and I'm just going to kind of rapid fire them at you. So the first one, we talk a lot about the F's of Abundant Journey. I just want you to pick one of these that you're passionate about working on growing. You've shared, I think, on all of these here in the, uh, the episode today, but family, finance, faith, fitness, and future. What is one of those you're really laser focused on for the rest of this year and maybe moving into next year? Um, I'd say the two that, um, I'm going to pick two. Sure. As, as family and faith. Um, I, I'm a very strong Christian, but you know, I 100% have had struggles with that. Mm. I just didn't like, um, reconciling growing up reconciling you know hurt that you see in other people so really focusing on that and um you know realizing that people are not god yeah you know it's good so yeah i'd say those are my two focuses next one here what's a quote from a book or mentor that stuck with you along your journey Hmm. my mentor camille saying no is saying yes to something else hmm I've very I'm much honed in on saying no mm-hmm. to things that don't align I with need, I need vision. to do that one often. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Forced myself. I'm actually a recovering people pleaser, so I'm yeah. getting like a year and in, I'm getting really good at it. There you go. I love it. No, that's a good one. You've talked a few uh, with a few dreams moving forward, but maybe just another one, whether it be fun or, or business or whatnot. What's a dream or goal that you have that you've not been able to make happen yet? More land. Okay. <laughs> I love it. And uh, last one, and you and my wife, you, uh, you both share that one. Last one here. At the end of your life, what do you hope you'll be remembered for? Mm, kindness. Hmm. Love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, um, in learning to say no, I'm really grateful that uh, you said yes to the invitation (laughs) to sit down with us uh, because this has just been uh, so valuable for us and I trust for our listeners as well. So thank you for uh, sharing your story, your experience, the lessons that you've learned along the way thus far. Um, for folks to connect with you, obviously mm-hmm. Instagram is a, is a big way, mm-hmm. but do you want to share the places that they can go to follow along? And then if they are interested in either um, the tubers that you're selling or any of your courses, if they want to get into flower farming, where would you have them go? Yep. It's all one name, like Facebook, my website, Instagram. It's all micro flower farm. Nice. So I love that. Did you, uh, did you buy like the domain or any of that like early on or pretty early on? My husband works in tech, so (laughs) yeah, (laughs) he, um, yeah, he's a big fan of like, you just buy the domain. Your husband and I are, uh, we get along on a court and I think, yeah, I own it. (laughs) 
an obnoxious number of domains. Yeah. It's also very handy because he just built my website for him. Yeah, so, totally. Or for me, yeah. That is fantastic. Yeah. Well, we'll include links to all of those okay. in the, the show notes so that um, people can connect with you there. But again, so grateful for your time, for everything that you've shared. And I trust that this has been super beneficial to our listeners as well. And because it's been beneficial, well, if people could leave a uh, review, um, click that, that five star button, click the subscribe button, uh, or the best thing that you can do is, is find that share icon and uh, send it to a friend, somebody else that um, likes entrepreneurship, likes flowers, likes good stories. And uh, anyhow, that's, that's, I think, a wrap for this week. We'll be back very soon.